What is up, Cyber and Crypto fanatics? Hope everybody's doing good so far this week. Today is Monday, November the 4th of 2019, and this is episode number 93 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so there's been some interesting stuff here in the news lately, so got a a lot of cool things to touch on. We're going to talk a little bit about some business email compromises. Also going to talk about Spain and what's going on there with one of their biggest IT consulting firms. Also going to talk a little bit about using lasers with Alexa home devices. We'll touch briefly on the blue key exploits that are going on right now. Also going to talk a little bit about all the domain registrars that were hacked as well. And last but not least in cybersecurity, we're going to talk about the unremovable malware for Android phones. That was an interesting one there as well. Oh, also too, we'll we'll briefly touch on NordVPN. Uh, There are some more details that came out about that as well. And for the side topic today, going to talk a little bit about this company called Simulate. They're basically doing what they call an attack simulation. So we'll talk about that just a little bit. And then we'll also kind of touch on, I heard an interesting commercial on the radio of all things today, specifically about the NordVPN hack. So we'll, we'll talk about that as well. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we'll obviously talk about the prices, what's going on there. We're going to talk about a crypto exchange in Zimbabwe, what happened to them. Also going to talk about BitMEX and all the drama happening with them. Also going to touch briefly on Telegram, what's going on there. Also going to talk, this one really struck my nerve here, but talk about this company out there that's trying to get uh, all the stolen crypto back. And they're apparently claiming that they can somehow get all this back. And the company doing that is a company called CoinFirm. So we'll talk about those guys as well a little bit here. All right, so to kick things off here, if you haven't heard of it before, I'm shocked. But business email compromise is at an all-time high, and it it has been for for quite a while now. There was one in the news today that an employee was scammed out of transferring $29 million to the scam artists. Wow. Talk about crazy. So uh, the attackers took over uh, one of the email accounts of an internal employee and then somehow convinced everybody they needed to send (laughs) 29 million dollars oh man so these these scammers they're nice rich payday there 29 million bucks but that's a huge one that's i mean usually you see like a couple thousand or things like maybe up to a million but 29 million dollars oh man that one hurts that one hurts. So what do you do to help prevent these business email compromises? I mean, these are happening all the time to people. And really, the short of it is two-factor is probably the easiest, quickest way. Uh, sometimes it's not always doable. Uh, if it's not doable, then something else you can do if you're if you have a SIM of some sort, a lot of times you can get the logs from, you know, whatever system it is that you think is critical. Let's say it's Office 365, for example. You're getting all those logs from Office 365, and you can trigger an alert when someone's Office 365 account is used on a new device or when it's used in a foreign country, you know, all kinds of things like that. So there's some ways to to help alert you to a potential business email compromise if you can't go with the two-factor side of things. Obviously, I would much rather prefer two-factor, but 
I totally get it if that's not doable for everybody as well. So there are some other ways, but you got to have some sort of a sim and be able to collect those logs to be able to track that down and know what's happening. All right, some other news here about some pretty nasty ransomware. And this is happening over in Spain. And the company is called Everest. It's one of the largest IT consulting companies in Spain. And another company is the nation's largest radio network in Spain as well. And both of these places got hit with some pretty nasty ransomware. And of course, it's taking down services. It's, I mean, what's really freaky is the IT service provider. That's where this kind of stuff gets really, really scary because who knows how much access they have into various customer environments. And, you know, ransomware, yes, it's typically just encrypting your files on your computer. But, you know, who knows, right? There could be some more sophisticated ransomware out there that's, that's not only encrypting your files, but doing some other things in the background. If it is, and these guys were good enough and knew what they had, they might have been able to potentially connect into all those customers' networks and try to spread their their ransomware around there as well. That did not happen, of course, but certainly something scary to think about there. And I've, I've said it before, too, if you use a third-party IT company, make sure that they have two-factor to be able to remote into any of your systems or only allow them remote access if you specifically allow it. So a lot of these remote assistant apps will prompt the user to allow the connection. So you can do it a couple different ways there, but that is really, really scary stuff there. So pretty big ones. And they're, the, the analysts are basically chalking this incident up to the BlueKeep remote desktop vulnerability. Uh, they're saying that they think that was used to compromise the company's servers. So that's really the first time we've seen BlueKeep being exploited in the wild, at least thus far. So now there's some actual exploit code out there for BlueKeep. So if you're running... Windows Server 2008 and anything older than that, it's time to upgrade. The flip side there is you could just turn off RDP altogether, uh, but this also affects uh, Windows 7 devices as well. So go ahead and get some new updates. Get out there on Windows 10 or something, or make sure that remote desktop is disabled on all of your endpoints and your servers. It's not always doable on servers, though. You know, you need to remote in and do some administration so, but again, it affects server 2008 and older and Windows 7. So anyway, BlueKeep is now being exploited out there in the wild. So if you have any of those systems, make sure you're getting them updated. And so far, they're calling this BlueKeep thing a, a zero-day exploit because apparently there's no there was no use of this before being exploited, but well, now there is. All right, some other news here I saw about... Amazon Echo and Google Home. Uh, some researchers figured out a way to... This was crazy. They, they, they're shining a laser at the Amazon Echo or the Google Home device to be able to send it commands and all without having to say anything, which is really, really interesting. So essentially what they're saying is the, the laser actually emits a very slight sound that humans cannot pick up. You know, sort of like a dog whistle kind of thing. Uh, but they're able to use that to then send voice commands, or what they're calling light commands, to those uh, Amazon Echo and Google Home devices. Apparently, they also tested us on the Facebook portal uh, video chat device, and it worked on there as well. So that is pretty wild. You can think about all the things that could be exploited. I mean, you could... If you're a, a robber and you're trying to break into somebody's house and you've got one of these lasers, 
you can point it, if you see an Alexa device, you can point it at that thing and tell it to open the garage or open the front door. Lots of scary stuff there. You can tell it to buy you something on Amazon. You can tell it, you know, all kinds of things, right? I mean, that's, it's crazy to think about all the different things that could come out of that. But anyway, they boiled it down to the microphones on the devices are interpreting the, the light into a digital signal, sort of like fiber optics kind of thing. Um, so anyway, this was just a crazy story. It's who the heck thought of shining lasers at these devices to make them talk? That's just, that's crazy, right? I mean, who, who came up with that idea? That's lasers is like the last thing I would think about when I'm trying to hack into something, but hey, these researchers figured out a way there. Pretty cool stuff. Cool, but scary, I guess. All right. Saw this other article the other day about this company called Simulate or Simulate, maybe it is. And they're saying that they're a breach and attack simulation platform. And I, I look at this kind of stuff and it, it kind of makes me laugh because what what is the difference between this and a pen test? I, I don't know. I mean, the only, I guess, real difference would be this uh, breach and attack simulator is automated for the most part, it looks like, whereas a pen test would be a, a person typically doing that pen test. So I guess those are the two big differences. But personally, I would give it to a person to do a pen test. And as part of the pen test, you can walk through doing a breach assessment or an incident response test. It's all kind of the same thing. So there's this new product out there. They're trying to sell people with this uh, called Simulate. And I, I guess I'm I'm not buying it because it's it just seems completely pointless. I see no difference between that and a pen test and doing instant response testing with that pen tester. So anyway, thought that was kind of an interesting product that they're trying to push now. SC Magazine had an article on it. And it made me laugh because I'm thinking, man, this is no different than what we're already doing. But they put a new spin on it. And of course, they can put a price tag on that. and and sell it. All right, some other news here about the NordVPN hack that happened. And what they're saying now is that a huge list of usernames and passwords was exposed, they're saying. Uh, but they're saying it was done with credential stuffing attacks, not from the breach that happened previously. So these credential stuffing attacks, it's password spraying and you spray passwords until you get a few right and the few that are right, you put them in a little database of some sort and you continue spraying until you get as many usernames and passwords as you possibly can. So, But if you go look on any of the hacker forums, you will see these NordVPN credentials out there for sale. I saw a bunch of it the other day out there, so. But it's unrelated to the breach that happened, so I guess that's good. <laughs> so if you use NordVPN, like I do, go out there and change your password just in case. Make sure it's a unique password that you don't use anywhere else, of course. Um, and make sure you're just, you're safe there. All right, probably the biggest news of the last week or so was the data breach that affected 22 million people. And this was regarding uh, Network Solutions and all of their uh, sister companies if you will. So web.com, register.com, and network solutions. 22 million accounts were exposed as part of this. The breach happened on October the 16th, and they, I'm sorry, they became aware of it on October 16th. They think it started in late August of this year. So the exposed information includes a name, address, phone number, email address, uh, details about the services that are used by that customer. Uh, but they did say that payment card information was not compromised as part of this, so that's good. They store the credit card information in a PCI-protected, encrypted environment, so I guess that is good there. But all the personally identifiable information with, you know, name,
name, address, phone number, all that stuff was taken as part of this. So, yes, it affected that many people, but I guess, you know, the headline here is is a lot bigger than the actual threat, if you will. Um, just because this information was exposed, you know, really, if you, if you dig around on the web hard enough and long enough, you'll be able to find all that same information. Name, address, phone number, you, you'll find it out there if you really want to get it. But this is just a quicker way to, to use that information if you wanted to. But no passwords were taken as part of this. Um, no credit card information, so that's good. But this isn't the first time either that this has happened to these companies. Uh, Web.com, for example, had a breach back in August of 2015 that uh, did get personal information and credit cards. Uh, they're saying that one affected 93,000 accounts. And Network Solutions had a data breach as well involving over half a million payment cards. Uh, but they're saying that that happened back in 2009. So as with anything, make sure you read all the details. This, this came out as such huge news. But then you dive into it, and really, they just got information that's that's really publicly available if you dig hard enough. So, but it was being posted everywhere. People were freaking out about it. All right, the last thing in cybersecurity is a what they're calling an unremovable piece of malware for Android, and the malware is called X Helper. So essentially, this is just persistent malware that even remains on the device when they do a complete wipe of the phone which I thought was really, really interesting. And so far, they don't know how this malware is staying on the device, especially when there's a complete wipe of the device. But that's pretty nasty there for the Android community. And they're saying basically that this malware uses, uh, essentially they do a whole bunch of web redirects to send you to all kinds of different web pages that I'm sure they're getting some sort of advertising revenue on or who knows what, you know. Uh, they're also apparently pushing a whole bunch of pop-up ads to your phone and all kinds of other nasty stuff. So, And they're all claiming that it's unremovable so far, even with a factory reset. So that's, that's just crazy. I do wonder though if you did a full flash of the firmware if that would actually make it go away i don't know of course but certainly interesting to see that that's just a pretty nasty nasty piece of malware there i guess you can call it but thus far it's only popping up ads and redirecting which you know is just as annoying but so far they're not saying it's doing anything outside of that but there's crap tons of devices that are infected with this thing already and if they wanted to use it for something else i mean that's they certainly could they're saying about forty-five thousand devices were infected uh, just this month so that's that's pretty staggering numbers there. So anyway, if you see X Helper on your Android phone, make sure that you throw that phone away and go get you a new one. <laughs> What's crazy is how it remains persistent and how these things can be installed if you don't have root access to the phone. But they are saying that this app essentially was sideloaded somehow uh, outside of the Play Store. So somebody would have had to, I guess, get duped into sideloading something that they thought was legit and it ends up not not being legit and they installed it and when you install something from an unknown source in android you can actually tell it to allow it this one time and i'm guessing that's what happened here and then boom it infects you and then it won't go away <laughs> so that was a pretty nasty one there all right then the last thing for cybersecurity today i heard an advertisement on a on another podcast i think it was or on the radio one of the two and essentially the advertisement was for norton I want to say VPN, and they were basically dogging on NordVPN, saying that hey, they got hacked, and you know, use our service instead. We're better than that. <laughs> I don't think people that 
really, really know what privacy is would ever be using anything from Norton to protect themselves as far as privacy goes. I'm sure that, yes, it can protect you when you're on a public Wi-Fi, something like that, but that's about it. I would think that they could be able to be searched and who knows how much they're logging and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So thought that was funny, though, that they're <laughs> they're dogging on NordVPN already. It's like, man, it's a little too soon, isn't it? But I guess not. Hey, do whatever you got to do, right, to, to make a buck. All right, some other news here about a Zimbabwean crypto exchange called Golix. Well, the <laughs> how many times are we going to see this? The CEO of the company somehow lost the encryption keys for their cold storage wallet. Had 33 Bitcoins in it. And, you know, it's worth about 300K, I want to say, something like that. But first there was the Quadriga CX guy, and, and now this guy in Zimbabwe all of a sudden can't find the encryption keys. So I guess for people like this... You know, I laugh at custody services, but hey, you know, for maybe for people like this, you do need custody services. So if you're if you're like this uh, Zimbabwean CEO, then yes, you need to pay for some custody services to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. All right, some other crazy news here about BitMEX. So I talked about BitMEX several multiple episodes ago so this was a big to do for some reason in the crypto community but uh, bitmex exposed all of the email addresses of everybody on their platform they forgot to put all of that in the bcc field <laughs> whoops so they exposed everybody's email address and you know at first when you think about that it's like ah big deal you got my email address but with the amount of funds that are used in BitMEX, well, now you've got a targeted list of people. And if you can take over one of those email accounts, you could then potentially reset the password to BitMEX for somebody's account there. And who knows, right? Maybe get a whole bunch of money. So if you do use BitMEX, now might be a great time to go use a different email address with them. Because the one that you're using is now publicly available. Typically for services like BitMEX, I've just used burner accounts. Uh, BitMEX also doesn't let you use their services if you're in the United States either. So you have to get on a VPN anyway to be able to do anything on their platform. So, But if you do use it, make sure you go change your email address so you're not being targeted. And uh, hopefully don't become a victim of some sort of fraud or account takeover. So aside from your email address getting leaked if you use BitMEX, their Twitter account also got owned. So all the trolls were out there <laughs> messing with them on, on Twitter after they owned their Twitter account. So bad news for, for BitMEX all the way around there. All right, some other news here about Telegram. Telegram just released their test crypto wallet. Despite the SEC lawsuit, they're, gonna, they're just going to push forward and say, screw it until the lawsuit's complete then you can't do anything, so they're really trying to push theirs through. On the other hand, I haven't heard much about Libra this week at all, so been kind of quiet on the Libra front. But Telegram is, is forging on, so whether they like it or not, the SEC that is, they're forging on. All right, some other crypto news. There's this company out there called CoinFirm, and they're going to try to tap into the, apparently, the $10 billion in stolen crypto that's out there in the market, 
and they're claiming to be able to get your funds back. So that is crazy, number one. How that's going to happen, I have no idea. But it really makes me think, if, if they are somehow able to do this with some sort of blockchain analytics for Bitcoin, how does it make you feel about Bitcoin, Bitcoin's anonymity? It's gone, right? So CoinFirm did say they're going to try to use products like CypherTrace, which I talked about a couple episodes ago, to be able to somehow track down this money. What's really weird to me is, even if you find the wallet, of where those funds are, how the heck are you supposed to get the funds out? How do you tie those funds back to one specific person? How do you know who to go after? Now, CoinFirm did come out and say they were going to use products like CypherTrace to assist them in finding these stolen funds. But even if you do find the wallet where these funds are, how do you get the funds out? How do you tie that wallet back to a specific person? How do you know who to go after? Like those addresses are supposed to be randomized and they're not supposed to be tied to anybody. How on earth are you going to figure out who has those funds? And then how on earth are you going to get those funds out? You don't have the private keys. Are you hoping to be able to track down a specific person and then sue them or something? I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see if these guys actually recover any funds. Um, So anyway, I thought that was an interesting article. I just, I don't know how they're supposed to be able to get these funds back. They're apparently pretty confident though. And, you know, if it's a $10 billion industry, hey, especially if they can actually produce, that's that's what will be really interesting about all this. We shall see. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm kind of thinking out loud here, and I'm thinking that I might understand how they're going to get these funds. So if these guys are somehow able to, of course, follow the funds, which you can do on the public blockchain, follow them to a cryptocurrency exchange, and nowadays with all the exchanges, they're doing that know your customer thing where they have to validate your identity before they'll let you do anything on the exchange. So you got to give them your, you know, a picture with you and your driver's license and all that kind of good stuff, right? So if these guys are able to play off of the anti-money laundering laws and somehow be able to track those funds and watch them go through an exchange, I don't know how they would know that they went through the exchange or not, but I guess if they have a, a somehow have a way to track that, then you could narrow it down to a specific person. Maybe that's what they're banking on. I can tell you, though, before this Know Your Customer thing even came out, I mean, all these exchanges were pretty much anonymous. So, you know, if it's only been in the last few years, then yeah, I guess so. But Know Your Customer has only been happening now for maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. Really hasn't been going on that long. So if you lost funds three, four or five years ago, are you just screwed? I don't know. I guess they're they're banking on the fact, too, that somebody would be dumb enough to run it through an exchange that has their real name. There are lots of services out there that let you exchange currencies for, you know, without using your identity uh, for a nominal fee. So why wouldn't these guys just exchange it to Monero and you can't look through that blockchain? There is no public ledger with Monero whatsoever. It's there, but it's hidden. It's not available to the public. Anyway... There are ways around what they're what they're trying to do, but I guess if they can get even some of that ten billion back, then hey, maybe it's a good business model. I don't know. Certainly interesting though. Certainly interesting. I'll be following up on that too to, to see how much they actually recover. All right. So Bitcoin prices here lately have been interesting. So we had that really big run all of a sudden up to ten thousand five hundred and then it backed way down. 
today it bounced back up slightly. As of right now, Bitcoin is at $9,427, which is up about 200 bucks since this morning. So that's a good sign there for the market. See if things continue upward here. There have been no bear crosses or anything like that reported here lately, so that's a good thing. So maybe the market will finally start to increase in value again. But who knows? It's never-ending game. But either way, certainly a good sign there. Uh, Ripple's up to $0.30 cents today. Ethereum's at 186 So all in all, we're, we're up, at least for right now. So we'll see how that goes. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.